0: You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network.
1: Hi, this is Chris Claremont speaking to you from the offices of Nightwing Restorations, suggesting that you take a good listen to Epic Marvel Podcast.
0: Hi, and welcome back to another episode of the Epic Marvel Podcast. I am your host, Curtis Findlay.
2: And I am your Iron Fist host, Brian Everall, a.k.a. Faust33 on the Marvel Masterworks Forum.
0: Yeah, we're happy to have you on the show, Brian. This is your first episode with us. Thank you. And, yeah, and I'm Iron Fist only has one volume in the Epic line, so I'm hoping that uh, you'll join us again for, uh, for Power Man Iron Fist. Coming up, you uh, yeah, yeah. I think that'll be really exciting. Following up on this one, especially, um, before we get started, I want to say a, qu- a few quick things. In this episode, you're going to hear us play clips from um, from C- Chris Claremont and from Larry Hama and from Doug Mensch and uh, the Chris Claremont and Larry Hama interviews uh, I conducted recently. And I'm going to be posting the full interviews. They're not too long because uh, we didn't have a whole lot of time with either of them. And especially with Larry, he didn't even really remember much from his days on Iron Fist. So it's a short interview. But the whole thing will be up on our Patreon site. If you head over to patreon.com thunderquack, uh, you'll be able to find all of those interviews. plus a whole bunch more of interviews that I've been conducting over the past few months. Um, and if you are a $5 supporter, you'll be able to hear all of those. So that's our way of saying thank you to all of you who are supporting this podcast. Um, the the Doug Mensch interview is actually a, a snippet of a two-hour-long interview that Adam Chapman, who is my Spider-Man host, uh, he has his own podcast called Comic Shenanigans over at Comic comicshenanigans.podbean.com. So uh, if you want to hear the whole one over there, head over to that website. It's actually quite fascinating. He's got a long career and has some really great stories to tell. So, Brian, tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you get into comics and what kind of comics do you enjoy reading?
2: Um, I started reading comics when I think I was about seven or something, when my grandma brought a copy of uh, Avengers. Actually, it was The Origin of the Vision uh, I didn't find out till way later that wasn't the actual issue. Uh, yeah, I was I wondering.
0: <laughs> that <laughs> would have been, been a good point. Older,
2: older than I was. Yeah. Um, but I, uh, I grew up in the 70s and 80s as a kid reading comics and uh, kind of went in and out of comics over my life.
0: What are some of the comics that you have enjoyed reading growing up?
2: I've liked all kinds of comics, mainly superhero comics. Uh, has been my main interest and uh, I read other things like Sandman. Um, I like a lot of the crime noir comics that are coming out. Uh, things by Frank Miller. Um, also, uh, Ed Brubaker has been another favorite of mine recently. He kind of got me back into comics recently when I started reading his stuff.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I like the noir stuff as well. I I read recently the the Darwin Cook the Hunter the Parker, novels. Parker the Parker novels. Yeah, yeah. those are fantastic. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're here to talk about Iron Fist, which is definitely not on the noir side of things. (laughs) Um, It's, uh, yeah, far from it, Um, but still still enjoyable for the most part. So this is um, Iron Fist Epic Collection Volume 1, The Fury of Iron Fist. It covers a period from 1974 to 1977. And Brian, can you tell us what we can find in this book?
2: Sure. Uh, In this book, we have Marvel premiere... 15 through 25, which is the very first appearance of Iron Fist. And then Iron Fist 1 through 15, his own series. And then there's a two-part Marvel team-up on number 63 through 64.
0: And this is pretty much a very complete, comprehensive collection of Iron Fist um, in his original kind of iteration. Yeah. It's the entire series. The 15 issues is from start to finish, and then it got canceled. And those Marvel team-up issues are kind of to tie up some loose ends before he starts to appear in a different book. And there are a couple of issues or a couple of appearances that Iron Fist made in other books around this time that aren't included in this book, which are too bad because I think that uh, it would have been nice to see, especially because uh, uh, some of Colleen Wings and Misty Knight's relationship develops in, in other books. Because I think we'll mention this when we go through the issues, but at one point, Colleen just shows up, and she's already got a business going with Misty Knight, but we didn't really know about that. Oh, Um, yeah. But um, this this issue, this epic collection is, I think, to date, it's the biggest epic collection that's out there. It's, It's over 125 pages, and there is a grand total of 28 individual issues represented in this book. The typical epic collection has about, what is it, about 20 issues or so? Maybe 22. I think so. So this one has 28. And it's mainly because at this period of Marvel, um, they were cutting back on their page count. This is an interesting period for Marvel because they were rapidly expanding in the 70s. Um, They had been bought by a different company who was handling their distribution. And Marvel had limits on their on the number of titles they had throughout the 60s which is why you know they had these split books like tales of suspense had um, iron man and captain america in it Um, but then once they got bought out by this different distributor they each of those titles got their own book and then they just started piling on new book after new book and iron fist is one of those new books but they didn't really expand their talent pool either so they had a, they hired a few new faces, but in order for these writers to do multiple books, they chopped the page count down from 22 pages to about 18 pages. Mm. So all of the pages, all of the stories in this book are 18 pages long, um, which is why we have more issues in it. So when we get to tackling the individual issues, we're going to kind of go maybe two at a time. Otherwise, this podcast is going to be like four hours long. <laughs> Is there anything we need to know going into this Epic collection, Brian?
2: I don't think so. It's pretty self-contained. Uh, you did mention that there are a few issues outside, and I think I think one of them, maybe a Marvel team-up, was referenced in the Epic, if my memory's right. Um, mm-hmm. I Probably, I'm usually a completist, so I might try to go look up other ones and read those later.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think um, there is a Marvel team-up with Iron Fist that is not in this book, Spider-Man. Because when we get to those Marvel team-up issues, Spider-Man says that um, Iron Fist saved his life once before, which was kind of weird for me because I'm like, I've, I've, I'm I just reading this book for the first time, and Spider-Man's already met him? I thought I'm reading the origin story here. So it would have been cool to see that that issue in here. I'm going to have to track it down so I can read it. Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll touch on that when we get to uh, that issue, when we talk about that issue as well.
2: This is the first superhero epic I've ever read. Oh, yeah. uh, And partially because of the podcast that was coming up and then also the Netflix series. Um, So I have all the epics up uh, to date other than the Star Wars ones. But um, this was the the first one I actually actually read, so it was really nice. Um, And I just... I, I really like that epic collection. They're like very affordable. You get a lot of issues for mm-hmm. the, for the amount of money you spend and, uh, they have really nice extras in the back. So, um, it's been, they're just really amazing.
0: Yeah. And what are some of the extras we can find in this collection?
2: In this one, I believe it's, uh, Burns, some of the burn artwork, uh, John Burn. Yep. Um, some of the original pages, which is pretty nice.
0: Yeah, that's always a hit, especially with. The... Oh, and there's there's
2: a sketch also of a uh, Colleen Wing in the back. I think Silver Surfer on the same page. So yeah, it's just two headshots. But
0: and that's um, they say in the notes that it's the reversed the reverse side of one of these original art pages. He just turned it uh, okay. over and started sketching on it, which is cool. I like yeah. I like seeing that kind of stuff too. Yeah and there's also one house ad for marvel premiere number 15 in there as well not a whole lot in the way of extras but that's forgivable because this is already the largest epic that's out there yeah and uh what are your thoughts on the quality of the reproduction and um, the presentation of this of this book here
2: i think it was really nice uh I don't have the original comics but like the colors and everything seem really nice and very true to uh the original comics. Um uh, I'm guessing most of the material might come out of the Marvel Masterworks um but I don't have those either so
0: Right. Yeah, I I haven't seen those ones either.
2: But the the Marvel Team-Up we used we did have the Marvel or I used to have the Marvel Team-Up issues and they definitely look very much like the Marvel
0: team up. Oh yeah. Well, perfect. Yeah. The coloring is really nice. And even, um, I find that there are some of the epic collections or some of the reprints that kind of, uh, um, standardize a lot of the coloring if there are inconsistencies. Um, but there is even one issue in this collection. Let's see if I can figure out which one it is. Is Marvel premiere number 20. Iron fist has much more of a, a yellowy green outfit. Than his typical, just kind of solid green. Um, just for oh, it's uh, and also issue number twenty one. Just for those two issues, there are other epic collections that would make it just consistent and color him the same color green throughout the whole thing.
2: Um, oh, it's kind of an olive color. Yeah, I see that
0: exactly. Yeah, yeah. So there's a little attention to detail like that. What are your general thoughts on Iron Fist, um, just as a character, as a comic?
2: Um, Iron Fist is a character uh, I, I knew the character mainly through Power Man and Iron Fist uh, in Contests of Champions and then he also ap- appeared in a Miller Daredevil um, and then we had the we had the Marvel, the two Marvel team up issues that were in the back but they were actually Marvel Tales copies so uh, Marvel Tales was like a reprint uh, title um, that right. ran for a while, a reprinted Spider-Man thing. So, uh,
0: so you were telling me about you and your brother.
2: Yeah, so we both had uh, we both shared the same comics. He's uh, younger than me, and um, we both were interested in martial arts. Uh, I took some martial arts, so that was also another reason why I really liked Iron Fist. Um, and then. Uh, We didn't have the original issues of, like, Marvel Premiere and the Iron Fist issues. Uh, So I didn't actually see the issues other than the Marvel team-up issues uh, way later until about the 90s. Uh, My brother started going to a comic book store that was about 50 miles from us. Um, And he found some of the back issues of Iron Fist. But at the time, they were... I think about fifteen dollars an issue around there, so um, a little expensive and and I kinda laugh now because you know, you can buy the whole Iron Fist Epic collection for thirty dollars, whereas yeah. uh, the first appearance of Sabretooth was like thirty dollars back then or something. So
0: And have they climbed in, in price now? Are they super expensive?
2: I I've, haven't looked recently. Yeah, I don't I've know if they're still something. climbing. I yeah. think it was the um the 90s where everything got really expensive and then kind of the bottom fell out for a while.
0: But now that so. he has a Netflix show, I bet they, I bet the prices are climbing again.
2: Probably, yeah. But that's, yeah, that's my background with the character.
0: Um, do you think his character holds up to some of the other bigger names like Iron Man, Avengers and such?
2: Uh, I think he's always going to be kind of a b-list or c-list character yeah. um i i like those so- sorts of characters though so it doesn't bother me yeah <laughs> he's definitely one of my favorites
0: and you've kept up with him over the years
2: uh not totally so recently i read the Mortal iron fist series by Bre- ed Brubaker. baker yeah uh, which i definitely recommend because it it's an interesting series because they tie back into the origin and parts of uh danny rand's origin that i had not seen people tie into, Uh, it actually adds uh, some layers to his origin, like before the actual origin story, which is interesting. Okay. Uh, And when um, we do spoilers, right? Yep. Yep. (laughs) Okay. So Iron Fist dies and the Power Man and Iron Fist comic. uh, And then he's brought back to life, I think in the 90s by John Byrne uh, in the Namor series. And then I think after John Byrne left, the Iron Fist appears, but he didn't. After that time, like the the resurrection of Iron Fist was a little clunky. But then after that, um, I just I read a few comics where he appeared, and he just didn't quite seem like the same Iron Fist or the same Danny Rand, and wasn't wasn't that fun to follow. So so I quit for quite a few years, and then. Mortal Iron Fist was the first series I ever read where I was like, oh, wow, they actually got Danny Rand in this series. Like His personality was very close and things.
0: Well, guess what? We don't have any reader comments this time around. Um, I put out the word. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Come on, guys. I put out the word on the Masterworks forum and on Facebook and such, but Nobody wanted to comment on this one. And I'm actually not surprised. This one isn't probably the most widely read epic collection out there. Um, especially when you compare them to the the heavy hitters like Spider-Man and X-Men, of course. Um, so, yeah, that part of the conversation is going to go quick. But we did put up a um, a Twitter poll. And we got some answers. So this was a great question, Brian, that you had. It's... um. If an Iron Fist movie were made in the 70s, when the character was first introduced, which of these 70s rising stars would you cast as Danny Rand? And the options were Chuck Norris, Mark Hamill, Sean Cassidy, and Andy Gibb. 25% said Chuck Norris. 25% said Andy Gibb. (laughs) Sorry, Sean Cassidy, no one voted for you. But 50% of the voters voted for Mark Hamill. Mark Hamill as Iron Fist now I could kind of see that especially with his um, you know Star Wars kind of mop of hair I would think would fit pretty well although I don't know how Mark Hamill is as a martial artist so um, I kind of think Chuck Norris would have been a better pick
2: Hmm.
0: even though Chuck Norris doesn't do Kung Fu who who would you vote for?
2: I think Mark Hamill is a pretty good choice he's a talented actor and uh, I don't Know when his love of comics or superheroes came about, but he's been pretty active in uh, voicing the Joker and all all kinds of things. Right. I could see him doing a good job, I think.
0: Yeah. Well, we'll never know. (laughs) (laughs) Let's move on to the issues. And uh, we'll start with, uh, we'll talk about the origin. This is Marvel premiere number 15 and 16. Uh, Number 15 was written by Roy Thomas, illustrated by Gil Kane. Number 16 was written by Len Wein, uh, illustrated by Larry Hama. And they make a special point in this issue to introduce Larry Hama. This is his first uh, regular gig over at Marvel. He had done a few things before that, but this was his first regular gig. It. Your. It. This is his origin story, and they do this kind of framing device where they tell, the. They tell the origin in flashbacks. So he's. It. It's present day. He's fighting a whole bunch of goons, and while he's fighting them, he's flashing back to the beginning, when he's on a, an expedition in the Himalayas, with Harold Meacham, and his mother and father, and during the course of the uh, the expedition, his mother and father both die. He gets rescued by monks in the Himalayas and ends up spending the next 10 years there training in, the, in this magical land of Kunlun. In that first issue in 15, the present day, he's battling all of these people in a battle that he calls the, the challenge of many. And then he has to fight uh, this one guy, Shu Hu, whose fists <laughs> are like thunderbolts. And that's the challenge of one. And in the second issue we flash forward to kind of I guess present day he's in he's actually in New York now and the flashback tells the rest of his story what ha- that happens after he has the challenge of many and the challenge of one and he has to defeat Xiao Lao the Undying he's a, it's a dragon and the dragon is what gives him the power of the iron fist he he takes it from Shaolau. so I guess uh yeah he's worthy of of this Power. So it's not only is he a Kung Fu master, but he has the ability now to make his fist so hard that uh, he can smash through whatever, anything.
2: Uh, That's where he gets his cool tattoo.
0: Right. Yes. Because the tattoo is on the dragon. And I guess it's the energy flows through the the tattoo. So he uses his body to block that transmission of power from going into the dragon and ends up going into him. I think I have that right. Yes,
2: it's interesting like the whole series is kind of interesting because there's so many artists, but I wasn't when I first went into it, I wasn't expecting Gil Kane I know he does a he does quite a few covers, but uh so that was nice but I noticed that he doesn't do a lot of backgrounds on that first uh Marvel premiere issue and right. I'm not sure if that's I don't remember if that's like a uh normal thing for Gil Kane, but um I was kind of surprised. I was also really surprised that his eyes show through the mask because in uh, pretty much all the comics that I remember, like his eyes are always the white eyelets. So that was uh, I I understand like that way they can convey emotion better, but it was a little (laughs) little jarring to me, I guess.
0: Right, I think that's a John Byrne thing. Was sort of mimicking Spider Man. Oh yeah, because yeah. Uh, all of these artists in the in the Marvel Premiere issues show the eyes. Even John Byrne in that last issue of Marvel Premiere shows the eyes through the mask.
2: Interesting. And it's
0: not until the the start of the actual series when uh, John Byrne changes that, and uh, that kind of becomes standard after after that.
2: And then also, I guess it's the first appearance of Shao Lao the Undying since it's the or, origin the uh, the dragon that he defeats
0: yeah yeah it's the first appearance of uh all of these characters to harold meacham it's a uh, first appearance of ut the personage august personage of jade. of jade it's just the yeah it's the mythology it, it this sets up the entire world here
2: oh i guess the other thing would be uh larry hama as an artist which uh i was i i think i knew that he had drawn a little bit, but I don't think I've ever seen his art before. And I was I know him more as a writer, so I was pretty surprised. I actually really kinda like the art that he did. Uh he's backed by uh Giordano as inker, who's also famous inker mainly for DC and Batman. Mm-hmm. Um so that was pretty interesting. It's his style reminds me a little bit of Klaus Janssen's inking. Uh maybe there was an influence there i don't know
0: yeah it could be i i liked his style too and i actually think and this might be sacrilegious to say but i kind of liked his style especially with the kung fu and such more than Gil Kane.
2: yeah yeah
0: um for yeah for the young upstart to make a bigger impression on me than the old master it's <laughs> is a, is a big deal i guess
2: <laughs> well Gil Kane's very good at Anatomy and very fluid and acrobatic, but I don't think I mean a lot of these I think writers and artists didn't have a background in martial arts, so they didn't uh necessarily do quite as good a job, I think. Yeah. So
0: we also have a character called Scythe, which is kind of I guess the first of Iron Fist's Rogues Gallery here. Which uh, we never see this guy again in this collection, and I don't know if he appears ever again in Marvel history, but he's there and he's kind of the first quote unquote supervillain. villain. Uh. Yeah. I think
2: there's a lot of those. <laughs> yeah. In this series. Definitely. So the next one is Marvel premiere 17 Citadel on the edge of vengeance. And then the Marvel premiere 18 layer of shattered vengeance. So in 17, uh, he's basically, uh, going to he's his whole plot is revenge it's a revenge story against harold meacham who killed his father so he's tracked down the building where harold meacham lives and he enters the building to uh, find harold meacham and it's kind of funny in a way it's all a series of different traps in the building that he has to get through and, and bypass um there's great 70s stuff so uh so he gets through all those, and then there's, like, pits, machine guns, wolves, just about everything he can think of. Um, he gets through all those, and then he encounters a villain in the room called Triple Iron who just appears on the one panel, uh, who has a, I think it's called a three-piece staff, a martial arts weapon, and he's kind of an electronic-looking guy, and the room is all, uh, has all these circuits on it eighteen is his big fight with uh triple iron. Oh, the one thing I did comment on was uh Triple Iron sitting in the room on that last panel. I kind of wondered how long he had been sitting there, Because so. <laughs> <laughs> Danny Rand's been gone a long time. So
0: Well I think he it's says just, that is I think he says it was ten years.
2: Yes. <laughs> so
0: Yeah. It's yeah. interesting that they set
2: up all these traps and then have just been waiting for Iron Fist or, or Danny to, to come
0: so yeah it is, it's kind of ridiculous actually because it's like so the, you're telling me that they've had wolves locked up in the closet <laughs> for 10 years waiting for this very moment right now yeah yes. i don't know <laughs> i mean i love a good death trap death house or whatever you want to call it, <laughs> it it's it's classic comic book writing for sure but a little far-fetched Plus all,
2: the, all the servants who probably had to bypass those traps every day to uh <laughs> to
0: get to the office yeah <laughs> office or something yeah
2: so it, it's funny um so he has his big fight with triple iron triple iron turns out to kind of be a giant i didn't know that from the first panel but he's uh what would you say seven eight feet tall or yeah, something he's pretty big he's pretty big it kind of reminds me of the game of death uh, uh movie with bruce lee and kareem abdul jabbar fighting <laughs>
0: um, i wonder if there's influence the- there
2: Difference in height. Could be. I, there's a... I don't know if it was this issue, but there's one issue where there's definitely, like, a Iron Fist jumping in a Bruce Lee sort of shot. So um, so he gets past Triple Iron, and then he encounters Harold Meacham, which is his big moment for revenge, but then finds out uh, Harold Meacham lost his legs. So he's... He, feels, he actually... They go into the origin of how Harold survived and lost his legs and um there he's finds a monk who i guess tells him the story of of danny um being raised in Kunlun and learning martial arts um but uh, uh danny feels pity for him and doesn't decides not to take revenge on him and uh it's kind of a bummer in a way <laughs> because he's been training all these years to like encounter the killer of his brother but then and he gave he up
0: immortality play. for it too
2: yes yeah that too um and then harold flips out tries to shoot danny and i guess danny goes unconscious and then this mysterious ninja appears which back in that time if i'd write a comic and seen a ninja i would, probably would have been doing backflips been super excited <laughs> But um, he's not the most exciting character no. in, from my from my perspective in in the series. So
0: yeah, well, and me uh, reading it now, it's like, why is there like ninjas are Japanese? But yes. Kunlund, this kung fu, it's like it, that's more Chinese based. Like you're mixing up your Asian cultures here.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, they do go into his origin later, which is yeah. Japanese. So that's at, yeah. least, at least good, but. So the ninja ends up killing Harold Meacham. And then, uh, in an interesting twist, Iron Fist gets framed for the murder because uh, Joy Meacham sees her, happens in the room, sees her dead father, and then blames Danny for killing her father. Uh, yeah. Which is always like the superhero being wanted thing is kind of an interesting uh, plot. So mm-hmm. I can see where they were going with that.
0: Yeah. So in the first issue, um, after Harold Meacham, um, this is Marvel Premiere 15, after Harold kills uh, Wendell, Wendell Rand, Tanny's father, he exclaims that there's no more Meacham Rand. It's now just Rand Incorporated. But in here, it's Meacham Industries. So oh, interesting. there's some inconsistency there. Uh, somebody just didn't notice that, that uh, it's different. I don't know. Um, I know in the Netflix series, they call it Rand even though Rand is out of the picture, um, do you know in the comics further down the road do they do they call it Rand still?
2: Just Rand because he gets back into the company. Oh. Like we, I'll have to see when we get to the Power Man and Iron Fist how that.
0: Right. Well, I'm going to put in a little clip here of Larry Hama talking about this issue, the Citadel on the Edge of Vengeance issue, uh, creating. Uh, Triple Iron. We're talking about that, so I'll insert that clip right here.
3: I had to pretty much conceptualize him. All I had was the, was the, I think all I was given was the name. You know, I, I think the plot for that issue was something like uh, Iron Fist enters the Meacham building, and between the ground floor and the top floor, he runs into all sorts of traps. Right. And on, and on the top floor, he confronts uh, Triple Iron. That was pretty much the entirety of the plot
0: <laughs> wow that's amazing it...
3: I had to make up everything else.
2: no there was uh there was an interesting thing that uh in the Hama interview where he mentioned that he didn't like uh iron fist costume, which yeah, I had to laugh when he said that, so <laughs> I liked the costume, but i I can understand why uh he might not have liked it so
0: yeah yeah i know in the um in the interview with uh doug mensch uh doug talks a lot about how larry kind of just didn't like the cultural aspects of this that it's kind of uh misappropriating and um, a little stereotypical at times especially that and, and shang chi which was the other super super popular marvel book at the time
3: larry hama became a very good friend although we we butted heads on iron fist in a friendly way. Uh, and later, butted heads even more on uh, Fu Manchu, Larry's Japanese. And uh, even though Fu Manchu is Chinese, he was very uh, sensitive to uh, Asian stereotypes. And I remember him coming over to have dinner. And while my wife is cooking the dinner, we had this really intense thing over Fu Manchu. and. I said, Larry, I I agree with you, it's a totally racist character. It wasn't my choice to put him in the series. And I'm much more interested in Shang-Chi, who's a good Asian stereotype, you know? And I mean, Fu Manchu's his father, but he's a bad guy. And yes, back when he was created, he was a racist, terrible stereotype but just look at how I'm doing it. It's that That's not there anymore, you know? And he would go, it doesn't matter. It, it, you know, the yellow peril. I said, you'll never see the yellow peril in anything I do. Don't worry. Yeah, but it's already been done. Yeah, I know, I know. But somehow we remain pretty good friends through all that.
0: Well, let's move on to Marvel premiere number 19 called Death Cult and Marvel premiere number 20 called Batrock and Other Assassins. So this is our intro to a bunch of new characters. In the last one, we saw the first appearance of Joy Meacham. And in this one, we get to meet her uncle, Ward, uh, whereas in the Netflix show, their brother and sister. And then we also get introduced to Colleen, Colleen Wing, and her father, Professor Wing. And I don't know if they give him a first name in this. If they did, I missed it. They just call I was him looking professor all Wing. around for it. <laughs> yeah, I think he's just the professor. So yeah, he um this he's kind of a, a both of these characters are mysterious. Um they come in and seem to know all about him for some reason even though he's sort of supposed to be a little bit of a mystery character and um and and Professor Wing tells a story about uh this monk that he met which is which is the same monk we see in the previous issue that told Harold Meacham all about Kunlun and he told uh, the professor about Kunlun as well. Yeah, just about the the whole mythology about being being immortal and such. And so the professor kind of makes it his mission to unearth that uh, all of that information and and uh devotes his life to being an archaeologist about Kunlun. Yeah, and then Iron Vist gets uh, set up by Joy and and uh and uh, a bunch of thugs trying to take him down. A big fight. The ninja steps in and saves the day again. And then it goes into the next issue where we meet uh, Iron Fist Battles' Batrock the Leaper, who is an old Captain America villain. And uh, um, he is hired by Ward Meacham to take, it, to take out Iron Fist. So we have a big fight there as well. And uh, um, eventually he overcomes. Oh, I should mention that um, the issue 20 is now written by Tony Isabella and it's drawn by Arvel Jones, who I don't know Arvel Jones at all. Never heard that name until I read this book. But in my opinion, he seems quite a bit more amateur than all of the other artists in this book. Um, his poses are quite stiff and uh, um, he he likes to show his fight sequences in small little boxes. <laughs> so it makes it like He's really, really trying to show like the step-by-step kind of kung fu moves, but it comes off being really clunky, and it slows down the pace so much because you have so many different boxes that you're looking at.
2: 19, let's see. I did, again, it's Larry Hama art in 19, which I liked. Uh, there is a uh, fight sequence on page 94, which uh, at least the top panel and some of it reminded me of the um, Frank Miller... Uh, Daredevil issues with the, he'd sometimes have these fight scenes with the group of thugs or, or whatnot fighting Daredevil, um, which I thought was pretty cool because I'm a fan of the Miller Daredevil. Um, the ninja comes in, steps in and saves the day again, which <laughs> I don't know. Uh, uh, being Iron Fist, he, he's just kind of left to his own devices, I guess. Um, mm mm-hmm. I remember seeing the cover to Marvel Premiere 20 and liking the Batrock character. And, uh, I think it was one of them. I think that's a, it looks like a Gil Kane cover, although Patrick Batrock's face doesn't, or head doesn't really look like Gil Kane's, but, um, it's definitely like a Gil Kane's sort of poses, but I always remember like wanting that comic and it might've been one my brother picked up, but the, Insides being drawn by Arvell Jones, uh, like you mentioned, he is pretty amateurish. Um, uh, his anatomy is off in several of the scenes. He just was not probably my least favorite artist in the series.
0: Yeah, mine too. Uh,
2: which was a bit of a disappointment because um, Batroc's like the first big character that he fights from the Marvel, from the regular Marvel superhero universe. So Yeah. And I did make a note about the the um panels, the, there's a four by four panel that's just like um fight, 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 like they're each doing their little moves, which was kinda of comical looking.
0: So it yeah, it was just and because he's so small he skims on the detail and yes. <laughs> I'm gonna play a little clip from the Doug Mensch interview about him talking about this kind of rotating uh series of um, Pencillers and writers, and why kind of why there wasn't one consistent person on the book at the time.
3: Marvel back then was putting out so many titles or so many pages per month because the black and whites. The, each title may have counted as one, but they had fifty odd pages of material in them, so it was like three or two or three extra titles for each black and white, and there were only so many writers. And uh, deadlines were so bad back then that it was all that anybody could do to just get somebody to write the next issue in time for us not to pay a late fee at the printer. Hmm. And there was this constant scrambling, can you do it? No, but you can, no, 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 has to be done by Tuesday. We gotta find somebody, somebody, you know, when? Can <laughs> you do it. all right? Len could do it, and it, it would take. Sometimes it would take uh, two, three months before you would find the actual new writer on something. You know, with other people just scrambling to to keep up with the deadline. So it wasn't really a hot potato. It wasn't that nobody didn't, nobody wanted it. It, it was just that everything was late.
0: One one thing I want to note here also is that there's a there is a very unique narration system throughout this entire book um the narrator actually talks in second person and he starts every issue starts with you are iron fist
2: oh yeah and
0: goes into talking about how how everything's happening to you and you have to make these decisions and you feel anger or you do this and you do that and um Honestly, it really really bogs down the flow of the book
2: yeah and you don't see that I remember seeing or reading comics with that narration style a few times and you just you really don't see that anymore so
0: well yeah. you don't yeah well in modern comics you don't really see any narration at all ever yes <laughs> um, but rarely ever did you see it even in, in second person like this and um, I think it's because it's in second person every writer tried to insert a box of dialogue in pretty much every panel. Yeah. And it really really slowed down the flow even more than like Stan's ridiculous narration in the 60s. <laughs> it is like I I really didn't enjoy that. Um and it lasts all throughout the book but then when Cla- Chris Claremont gets a hold of it, he plays with the formula a little bit and I'll get we'll get to that um when we get to those issues. But at this point in the Marvel premiere issues I just basically skipped over all of the narration because it's just, it's pointless. It doesn't add really anything to the story and everything flows better if you just skip it and go with the, just with the dialogue. So I mentioned before that this is where Colleen uh, talks about having a business with Misty. She says it on page 104, she says, imagine being stalked by assassins for nine years and not telling your old family We're moving today. Misty can run hers and my business alone for a while. And that's completely out of the blue. We don't know who Misty is. We don't even know that it's Misty Knight because she's not in this book at all. And uh, I think that there is a a backup story in one of the Shang-Chi books where she and Misty Knight meet up. And then they start their company together, Nightwing Industries,
2: I felt like a lot of it was just out of the blue, especially it just dealt with Harold Meacham and comes out of the building. And then all of a sudden Culling Wing is there and hop in the taxi. And then you ran, run off and meet her father, the professor. And it uh, was a little jarring. Yeah. Uh, Marvel Premiere 21 is Daughters of the Death Goddess. And uh, the first splash page starts out with Batroc uh, with, with a broken arm apparently from his fight. I flipped back through the previous issue. I didn't see where he got the broken arm, but (laughs) it it was kind of funny. Typical Batroc, bad luck. Uh, And he decides, uh, he confronts the Meechums and decides he's going to bail because it's just not worth getting a broken arm and getting beat up by Iron Fist over and over probably. So, Uh, so that was kind of funny. Um, but pretty typical for Batrock. Yeah. And then uh, we get the first appearance of Misty Knight. There's mistaken identity there. They get into a fight, which I think is referenced a few times. I think they reference it even in the Mortal Iron Fist uh, series I read, that their first encounter is basically a fight, which is uh, just how their relationship is, I guess. So, And then... There's the Temple of Kali with the Professor and the uh, whole cult of Karakai. And there are two other, I guess, the living goddesses who are, have some sort of superpowers. Uh, one as Cloak of Darkness and the other, I don't remember too much about this issue, but there's basically a big fight and it's all about the book. Right.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep, because the book is supposed to to have the secret to immortality in it.
2: Yeah, we discover that the book gives the professor or allows the ninja to inhabit the professor's body, take him over, basically. And there's a lot of Arvell Jones art again, uh, which isn't my favorite, but um, it was a little confusing because I don't I don't know just the sequence of his art. I wasn't sure if. The professor dies in the end, or the professor became the ninja, or what was right. going on. Yeah. Uh but in the end there's just kind of the ninja is there, so it was a little weird to me. And then Marvel Premier twenty two we have uh Death is a ninja, so Iron Fist is now fighting the ninja who was previously seemed to be helping him. I think this might be the last issue with Arville Jones.
0: Uh, yeah, it is. Good. <laughs> Sorry.
2: Yeah, so they, oh, and this one, they uh, end up in this other dimension fighting for a little while, which was a little weird. I was going to say it's kind of Dicko esque, but I didn't want to um,
0: compare Arville Jones, Jones to Steve
2: Dicko. <laughs> uh, yeah. Right. Uh they do go into the ninja's uh history so it turns out he's a samurai and then gets cast out of the um samurai ranks and becomes a ninja and studies magic uh even fights Lei the Thunderer at one point. Yeah, it wasn't these two issues really weren't my favorite.
0: No, they were really bizarre. Yes. And just out of left field and not consistent with anything that's come before or anything that really comes after. Um, It's just, it's so weird. And it's like they even make a a note at one point um, because like um, Iron Fist is fighting a ninja and these like Middle Eastern um, bodyguards or something. Um, yeah. And then the New York police also show up, and it's just such a weird, bizarre uh, cast of characters.
2: Oh, and, and at, yeah. towards the end with the New York police, they decide not to arrest uh, Iron Fist. Right. So Iron F- And they talk about how Iron Fist is cleared from yeah uh, the death of Harold Meacham, because obviously the ninja did it. How they would prove the ninja did it, I have no idea, but...
0: Right, but that's why the police were there so that um they could hear the uh the testimony. Oh, and, okay. Um I'm sure like that's the only point the police had to be actually in that scene. Yeah, and go to page number 134. Look at how many panels are on that page. 14 <laughs> panels, 14. It's just unnecessary.
2: And the sequence still confused me. On top of it, so all yeah. those panels didn't help.
0: Yeah, it's it's very strange. It's like there's so many different little techniques that are trying to be, that are trying to go on in one page. Like you have the uh, the 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 very quick passage of time in the bottom strip there when the professor's turning into the ninja. And all of his words, like one sentence is broken up into four panels, so it's supposed to be quick. <laughs> But at the same time, in the top row, you have a picture of Colleen doing a kick. And it's one panel that's broken up. It's th- All three of those panels on the top tier are one image that's being broken up into three sections by the gutter.
2: I'm not sure why.
0: <laughs> and yeah, I don't know why either. It doesn't make a point. You could have just had one big panel showing all of that. It's It's just unnecessary. It's a little muddy and... Yeah, so we're done with him after this this issue and that's not a bad thing. <laughs> well, um the one uh one of the things about this issue here number 22 is it's a turning point for Danny and I didn't realize this but we had actually never seen Danny except in flashbacks uh without his mask on up until this point. So the very very last panel of this page he takes off his mask. And now we have um Now we get to explore a little bit more of the Danny Rand side of Iron Fist. Yeah, and we can move on to issue number 23. Well, this is a standalone issue, so we'll just quickly tackle this one by itself. It's called The Name is Warhawk. And this is the very first Chris Claremont issue with art by Pat Broderick. And uh, in this issue, we have a new hero or a new villain. I mean, he's called Warhawk, and it seems like he's got some sort of PTSD. He fought in the Vietnam War, and for some reason, whatever he views now here in New York City, all he sees is a vision of his time in Vietnam, and thinks that every even innocent bystanders are, I don't know, Vietnamese people that are out to get him, so that's, uh, and he uh, kidnaps Colleen because of this, thinking that he is, I guess, his wife, but yeah, then Iron Fist has to come to the rescue and in fact it's not Iron Fist that comes to the rescue but it's Danny Rand that comes to the rescue so keeping in this new this new uh, turning point in the Iron Fist story I don't even think we see Iron Fist in costume in oh no he uh, he appears in costume at the end for the last battle but for the most part he's just Danny and this artist draws Colleen Wing quite a bit differently she actually looks Asian in this one whereas she's not asian in any of the other issues and in fact the next the very next issue which is also drawn by pat broderick she gets a different look part of it's the hair color the colorist is giving her kind of a, a black hair hair color
2: the ptsd thing has been done before with like the seeing people as who they're not uh, kind of the hallucination thing so I don't know if they've been done a lot at this time, but... Um,
0: I think it was pretty topical at the time, though, with the Vietnam War and such. Sure, yeah. I mean, I,
2: I like the story. It was interesting, but I don't know how it holds up uh, like nowadays. Yeah. Oh, and he's also like near invulnerable, which was kind of weird and makes it hard for Iron Fist to fight him.
0: Yeah, I think that's part of the problem with having a character that has kind of the ace up their sleeve all the time is first of all, this guy's a Kung Fu master. So your villain is going to need to be pretty strong just to withstand all of the blows that he's going to get from just the normal martial arts. And then he also has the Iron Fist that's just going to blow anyone away. So it's kind of a cheapo move. So you really need to have villains that are nigh invulnerable in order to withstand all of that kind of thing.
2: Yeah, and I guess before this, he's mainly fought people who didn't have a lot of superpowers so uh other well Batrock i guess is pretty acrobatic but no one was like invulnerable well, he did fight the robot or no the robot's coming up but
0: robot's coming up yeah. but yeah he do- he only pulls out the fist if it's a if it's a superpowered person or if like a million people are ganging up on him at once and he just uses the fist to kind of knock them all back all at once
2: i guess I just thought of this, but since this is the first Claremont issue, I think he's trying to elevate him into the ranks of the superhero, whereas before, the earlier issues were a little more street level. And as the series goes with Claremont, uh, you see, I think, more supervillain-type superheroes and trying to um, up Danny's status or, or Iron Fist status as a, as a contender in the, in the superhero world.
0: Yeah, that's an interesting observation. I think that's, uh, that's quite accurate.
2: I mean, it makes sense. It's a good thing. Otherwise, you just have a street-level character who probably would be dwarfed by the powers of every other Marvel superhero. Right. So the next issue is Marvel Premiere 24 uh, called Summer Kill, and it is Pat Broderick once again with Chris Claremont, Pat Broderick's artist. I didn't mention this on the last one, but I've always liked Pat Roderick's art. He did some Firestorm for D C and uh some different things. Uh he's still I think it looks kinda of, it looks like he's kind of new here. Um he's still kinda of working on his style, but for the most part the art's pretty good and definitely better than what we had with Arvell Jones. Inking, We have Vinny Coletta on this issue. Uh, I won't say any more on that.
0: So. Yeah, he's not my favorite.
2: <laughs> the issue starts off with a sparring session between Colleen and, and Danny. Uh, it's also interesting Claremont starts to bring in, I think this is because he was trying to bring in the cultural uh, aspect of Asian life, or, or probably thinking more about Kunlan and, and and the asian influence there uh because danny has a hard time he doesn't want to strike her because striking a woman is um you know basically forbidden and women didn't practice martial arts in Kunlan. so um that was a little interesting i didn't mm-hmm. get that feeling before with the with the other writers but um i i mean i guess it makes sense so
0: yeah, I thought it was good. A, a nice touch. Um just giving some depth because we haven't really had a whole lot of character building for most of these issues from any of these characters. <laughs> so, yeah. To to have an exchange like that was nice and I think that shows just the kind of writer that Chris Claremont was. Um this was his kind of his first real gig for Marvel, so he's uh he's new at it but already seems quite a uh, quite experienced and in fact this is probably a good time on uh just uh, sticking in a little clip of chris claremont talking about the origin of iron fist
1: we were all jumping on the the kung fu bandwagon at the time marvel was doing uh deadly hands but that was shang chi derived from fu manchu i think the editorial philosophy was it's all very well having a a derivative kung fu series that was extremely successful But Marvel had to pay a licensing fee to the Sax Romer estate. Uh, So let's get, why not introduce a character that was uniquely and wholeheartedly Marvel into the mix? And that was, I think, Danny. The differentiation in terms of societal attitudes, I suppose, was that Danny was presented in a way as a the as a fish out of water in Kunlun a, a sort of I suppose if you looked at, at Asia as first world Europe would be second world uh, he'd be a, a European Anglo stranger in a strange land in Kunlun right but because of his growth and acculturation, into the philosophy of Kunmun and of of the society there, when he returns to New York, he's equally at, at odds because the world he is returning to is nothing like the world he's inhabited for most of his life at that point. Right. So it's, he's a fish out of water no matter how you
2: look at it. Okay. So then we have um, a shield, uh, Fenris Station shield, uh, there's a robot inside of there called a Monstroid who uh, gets free. Danny's going through the park and kind of interesting. He's happens upon the um, Marvel uh, softball game with uh, – uh, I don't recognize the people in there, but I'm guessing a lot of them are probably Marvel writers or artists.
0: Yeah, I uh, can break it down for you. Too. Oh, you know them? Okay. I found well, I found a list of the people who are in this issue. So if you go to page 185 mm-hmm. and you see that top row, with all of them wearing their Spider-Man shirts, um, I found a list of names, and they didn't tell me which one was which, but I Google image searched all of their names. And to the best of my ability, and this is just kind of guessing, <laughs> um, and people can correct me if I'm wrong, but um, going from left to right... The first guy that's wearing a hat is Herb Trimpe. Then the guy beside him in the sun with the blue glasses is Marv Wolfman. And in front of him, Irene Vartanoff, and uh, beside her is Bill Mantlo, then Len Wein with the baseball cap, Tony Isabella, Mark Hannerfeld, Al Milgram, and then in the next panel, Behind Danny, there's the back catcher, and um, and the back catcher is Mike Kaluta, and then behind, standing behind Mike is Glynis Ween. And then, of course, we have a caricature of Chris Claremont um, on the previous page, 184, with the big beard, really oh, yeah. short. <laughs> That's
2: awesome. So, yeah, then the monstroid comes in, interrupts their game, and Iron Fist has to fight him. Not too much there, uh, and then we have appearance of this is Master Khan, right? Yeah. At the end, yeah.
0: I love that panel on 192 <laughs> of him smashing through the mon the Monstroid.
2: Yeah, I marked that down too. That's a that's a really nice piece of art there.
0: Yep. We can keep on going through to Marvel Premiere number 25, Morning of the Mindstorm, and this is the first John Byrne issue. In fact, this is the first time Chris Claremont and John Byrne are working together. Um, this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. And in this issue, um, Iron Fist gets to go up against Angar the Screamer. Uh, and this guy screams and the, the vibrations coming out of his mouth call, cause people to have hallucinations. Oh yeah, we actually, in the previous issue, we failed to mention that we meet Lieutenant Scarf. Oh yeah. Who uh becomes a kind of a regular character throughout the Claremont run here. And so he uh Lieutenant Scarf has a hallucination and um Iron Fist has hallucinations, you know, about his past and, and that kind of thing he has to work through. It's kind of just a trippy mind game, um, him working through things. But in the end they get a, a clue that um Angar the Screamer possibly works for Stark International. So, in the end, Danny says that he's going to go after Tony Stark to find some answers. And that is the very end of the Marvel premiere issues starring Iron Fist. The next issue is issue number one. Um, But before we get to issue number one, is there anything you want to say about this one?
2: Yeah, so, cool to see. Like I said, there's various artists on the Iron Fist series, and some of them are pretty good. So, it was cool to see some early John Byrne art, although... um, not all of it looked very much like John Byrne. I forgot the inker is Al McWilliams, uh, but it could just be John Byrne developing his style. I mean, I see several shots in there that definitely look like John Byrne, but others where I if someone showed me that panel, I'd probably be scratching my head as to who the artist is, especially right. like page 202, the top right panel, the face on... Uh, Iron Fist looks nothing like uh, most of John Byrne's art. Yeah, the Angar, the Screamer sequences with the hallucinations—I thought were really cool looking—and that definitely looks very, very much like John Byrne's work. What do you think about uh, Lieutenant Scarf?
0: Yeah, I mean, right now, as, right now he's he's just kind of a pretty typical cop that you'd see on on TV, you know, Hill Street Blues yeah. or whatever <laughs> that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, Not much more to him here at this point. But But it's nice to to get another character, yeah. Yep. And I'm going through this material for the first time. So my first exposure to Scarf was in the Luke Cage Netflix show. Oh, okay. So it was nice to see him show up there because he he and Misty are partners in that show.
2: Oh, okay. Yeah, I missed that. So this one's called A Duel of Iron. And on the front cover, uh, I think this... Might, at least the poses, again, are Gil Kane. The faces might not be. Um, but uh, Iron Fist is fight, fighting Iron Man. And I remember seeing that cover uh, when I was younger and thinking, wow, that's cool. I want to see that issue because you know Iron Fist fighting Iron Man. What's going to happen? Probably most people guess the Iron Fist will lose. But <laughs> So it's uh, Claremont and Burn. I think it's... Claremont and Burn all through the rest, right? Yep. Was there any breaks? Okay.
0: Nope.
2: Uh, this one has Al McWilliams as Inker. Uh, really nice splash page at the start. And um, if I had a lot of money and wanted to collect some Burn art, I think there's several of these splash pages in the in the Iron Fist series that I wouldn't mind having on my wall. Uh, they look pretty cool. So, um, Burn's art starts to kick up a notch here. Um, he fights, uh, Iron Fist is fighting Angar the Screamer, then we're introduced to Misty Knight again, and uh, it's kind of jarring because she has this yellow and blue costume that looks like maybe she was trying out for the X-Men or something. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what what happened there, but um, yeah, it was, it, was I don't, it just kind of shocked me because I've never seen her looking like that before, so...
0: Right, and um, with um with a big MK belt.
2: Yeah, MK yeah, belt and shadow
0: wanted to give her a suit for some reason, yeah. a superhero suit.
2: But then he goes to uh he's going to find Tony Stark, gets meets Iron Man, of course, uh gets into a fight with Iron Man, which um again, like I think Claremont's trying to uh show how Iron Fist is a a strong enough superhero that he can, uh, you know, hold his own. So uh, yeah, Iron Fist and Iron Man get into a fight. Uh, I wouldn't, even though I really like Iron Fist, I can't imagine he would be able to hold his own against uh, Iron Man for very long. So it was a little funny, but
0: yeah, and Iron Man just looks kind of weird too because his he's got this he has the nose. nose, and was yeah. that just a, a John Byrne interpretation of the suit or did he have that in his own issue at this time or his own series at this time as well?
2: There's there's an interesting story. I think uh, Stan Lee was the one behind it but um, it, it's funny because like they attribute it to Stanley, where he was saying how come Iron Man doesn't have a nose and so all the artists were starting to draw him with a nose and then uh, Stan Lee, I think he said he didn't remember ever telling anyone to draw a nose. <laughs>
0: Oh, really? And so the
2: nose went back away.
0: <laughs> wow, so, weird.
2: Yeah, there was a period where he had a nose, and then they, for whatever reason, it went away. Yeah. Uh, probably good reason. <laughs> I don't, most people, I don't think, really like the nose on Iron Man.
0: I don't, that's for sure. No. No. It's bizarre. Issue number two is called Valley of the Damned, and um, this one we're talk, we talk a little bit more about the whole uh, women status in Kunlun issue. There's these two people who show up in a in a flashback. Um one of the things that Claremont really likes to do is place us in t- in the middle of a situation and then tell us the rest of the story in a flashback. And that's what happens here too. We see uh Danny in the hospital with the professor in a hospital bed and uh we don't exactly know what's going on so we have a flashback to kind of bring us up to speed. And in this flashback, there is this guy, Marin, who I guess is competing for the, uh, or competing against Danny Rand to be the heir of Kunlun. Anyway, it's revealed that he has trained a woman in, in the Kung Fu arts of Kunlun, which means because women are forbidden to learn this, he has to face the music, which I guess means he's going to die. It's pretty much treason, so he's going to be put to death. So he decides to run away. In this issue, we also see, we also find out that Misty has a bionic arm, which we didn't know before this. And I don't know when she gets the bionic arm, but I'm pretty sure she doesn't have it when we meet her in Marvel Premiere 21.
2: Yeah, I'm not sure when she gets her arm outside of Iron Fist.
0: Yeah, there's no footnote to let us know. Anyway, there's this other whole story with these this um, group of plant people, and it's just kind of out of left field. I, I don't even know. I, I forget why plant people are in this issue. Do you know?
2: Uh, I don't really remember, but I did make a note that um, I believe these, the I'm going to butcher this, lawyer 3, whatever. Yeah. The plant people are the same plant people that Byrne uses in the 90s uh, to resurrect... Uh, Iron Fist because it's got the same sort of plant pods. Oh um, yeah! Did you ever, did you ever read those? I didn't. No. Okay, so it's the '90s series and uh, the Namor '90s series. Uh, Iron Fist is brought back to life, and they say that at some point he was uh, his body was put in the pod. I don't know if it was this far back or what, but he basically brings Danny back. It was weird. Yeah. <laughs> But he obviously went back and looked at older Iron Fist and brought these plant people back. So, yeah. So, we got Iron Fist number three The City's Not For Burning. This has another villain called the Ravager, who's kind of like some armor guy. Oh, you actually see Misty Knight's bionic arm. The skin comes off of her arm here. So, her. Right the cloth or whatever, so you actually see her arm. And Misty and Danny get into a little fight here. I don't remember exactly why.
0: Because Colleen is missing. Oh, yeah. And they're trying to find Colleen, but they're getting distracted by this ravager guy, and she's like, no, let the police handle this. She needs you. You're the only one who can help. And he's like, no, I can make a difference right now with people who are, are hurting right now.
2: It was a little weird because he's, like, abandoning his friend to go fight this Ravager guy, and then um, that obviously is going to take a while. Meanwhile, I, I was wondering, like, okay, what's happening to Colleen? Uh, yeah. Because it can't be good if you're going to, you know, try to go find this Ravager guy and get in a big fight with him. Oh, and uh, Ravager reveals himself to be Radion, the Atomic Man,
0: yeah. Much cooler name. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Than the Ravager. All right. I don't know. Yeah, I
0: guess so. I don't know. <laughs> um, you really start to see John Byrne's art, uh, like his style coming out more.
2: Yeah. Uh, did they change inkers at this point?
0: Looks like um, F. Monte.
2: Yeah. Is that? I think if I remember right, he was one of, like I liked him better than Nick Williams overall inking John Byrne, yeah. Um, who was inked the first few issues, so yeah. The art's definitely getting better as it goes. Mm-hmm. Okay, so four is the second part of the um, fight with Radeon or Ravager now Radeon, and definitely the art is getting better. Oh, is this the first time the Steel Serpent guy shows up?
0: No, I think he appears first in this issue.
2: He's just kind of a mysterious figure uh, with a chest symbol similar to Danny's, but it doesn't have the wings. Right. And let's see, Danny gets hurt pretty bad with radiation. Here's another thing that Claremont started doing is using the chi power in, in different ways, and I think he heals himself here. Yep. Yeah. He starts to heal himself, which was another unique take because before the only thing the Iron Fist really did was uh, make his fist like iron. and. Uh,
0: yeah, it, this issue is pretty much just a big fight, and it has a very convenient ending where Radion the atomic man falls through several stories and happens to fall on the exact machine that uh, is going to destroy him. And iron fist happens to fall right beside the control panel that will um, turn on the machine that will suck his powers, take away the radiation. So it was, um, it was kind of like a, I'm not really sure exactly how to end this one. So we're just going to end it kind of issue. (laughs)
2: super lucky yeah. yeah there's a nice little uh um panel on 283 the second one over at the top that looks like uh nice burn face there
0: yeah okay so issue number f- um uh, what are we on five now five when slays the scimitar if you look at this first page here here's an example of claremont playing with the narration. It's still in second person, but he goes to great lengths not to use the word you until he really needs to. And part the part of the way he does that is by just not putting narration in these panels. If you look at these issues that he's doing now, um, there's a little bit of narration, but we get a lot of Danny Rand thinking, and you get the, the, the thought balloon that looks like a cloud indicating that he's thinking rather than speaking right Um, which he doesn't do that in any of these early issues in the marvel premiere issues because the narration does all of his thinking for him so in this issue we meet a new character his name is alan kavanagh he used to uh, be a bomb expert and would make explosive devices who Realize that he's just making weapons that kill people and wants to get out of it, but the people he worked for don't let people like him go easily, so he's kind of on the run and he's a he's a hunted and wanted man, and one of the people after him is this villain named Scimitar, kind of I guess like a Middle Eastern guy with a huge scimitar sword and kind of out of the like the Sinbad kind of era. But yeah, that's, uh, this is a big fight, and at the very end we finally find Colleen. She is uh, being held by this Master Khan, who we saw quite a few issues ago, um, but hasn't appeared really since. And she's kind of been indoctrinated to believe that uh, Iron Fist is the bad guy. This is the first of a three-parter, so I'm just going to plow through these three parts, then we can talk about them as a whole. Um... In the next issue, Misty Knight and Danny are meeting up with this new character named uh Jaron Hogarth, who in the net in the Netflix shows, this character is played by Carrie Ann Moss. So this is the lawyer who is um helping Danny uh realize how much money he actually has if he steps in and takes control of his share of, of uh the Rand Corporation. Yeah, so we get a confrontation between Iron Fist and Colleen as well. And through this all, he uh, does this mind meld, which is, uh, you know, like what uh, Mr. Spock does in Star Trek. They, they share their thoughts and they share their emotions. And um, this is in order to restore Colleen's memory. But it's also, it plays quite a big role in uh, their relationship for the rest of the series because they are permanently linked after this. And then in issue seven, which is called Iron Fist Must Die. We get the conclusion to this story. Um, all of these characters like Angar the Screamer come back and even Kambala Bey, who was the, the big guy from the, the last issue of the Marvel premiere issues. Um, everybody comes back and Khan uh, apparently dies. And this is the, kind of the conclusion of everything that Claremont has been working up to at this point and kind of wrapping up all the loose ends from Marvel premiere. Do you have any? What do you have to say about these three issues here?
2: Um, it's, it was pretty interesting, like a nice three-parter. So, Scimitar's costume—I <laughs> thought was the—I I don't know. <laughs> yeah. The last panel on page three hundred five was pretty cool with um, Misty Knight. She attacks Iron Fist, but it turns out to be a robot, of course. Yeah. Uh, she, as she's training, that was a nice panel. Um. I wasn't crazy about, uh, I forgot his name, the Irish. um, Alan. Alan, yeah. I I, I can see he's trying to add another character in there and make something interesting, but I wasn't too crazy about him. Jaron Hogarth actually, I think he keeps going through Power Man and Iron Fist, so that's a character that lives on for quite a while.
0: Um, one aspect of this that I like is, um, Iron Fist makes mistakes and it's very clear that he's kind of learning how to do things. I like the fact that his, when he uses the fist, it actually does use up a lot of his own energy and he needs to recharge and to, to rest before he does it again. And some, there are some times when he uses his Iron Fist two times in one day and it nearly it nearly knocks him out because it's just so draining. And you don't get that from like, you know, Superman can use his, his heat vision and his cold breath. And like, he could use that all day and he doesn't tire, but using his powers has a definite effect on iron fist.
2: And that sticks with the character through the power man and iron fist and the later developments of the characters. Whenever he uses the iron fist, it's very, very taxing on him. Yeah. Um, at the start it wasn't so much, so uh, it's always. I think it's been kind of a cool thing that you can't just you know use this power nonstop. Right. It, it's it's got limits. And it's pretty cool that Claremont made that.
0: So. Yeah. Um, before we get too much further in here, I want to play a little clip of Claremont talking about uh, working with John Byrne and how uh, how the two of them collaborated in these early days of their of their. Professional relationship. Can you tell me a little bit about working with uh, John Byrne? This was fairly early in his career as well, right? It was early in
1: both our careers. Actually, it was a. This was our first mutual big shot at at the, uh, I guess the the glass ring, and ultimately it culminated in his stepping over to the X Men. But it was wonderful because with John, you had a talent who was so. Prodigious and a concentration worth a work ethic that was so I don't know relentless that you could watch him you one could literally watch him improve from issue to issue sometimes even from the beginning of the issue to the end of the issue if you look at Iron Fist one the fight with Iron Man and then cut ahead to 14 the introduction of Sabretooth, his sense of how to stage scenes of how to present characters of how to to execute action it's just it was great
0: and you were working this was the marvel style right where you'd hand him the the plots
1: at the end yes i mean with john as with dave cockrum for example why why waste the time describing in script when you are partnered with such a superb visual storytelling. Right. Especially in the case of someone like John who is committed equally embracing of the characters and the action itself. Working with him of necessity is a true collaboration simply because there are too many he can bring my ideas to life and his ideas will help shape my concept of the characters, so it's a win-win situation on on both sides of the, of the creative uh, equation.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Go back to page three hundred and thirteen. This is in Iron Fist number six, and we see U. What is his name? U T. U T. Um, he's looking in this big. Um, I don't know. It's like a emerald crystal ball or something like that might be
2: jade since oh yeah jade
0: yeah yeah that would make sense could be but anyway look at look at what he says here he says you pause nephew why when time is so essential could it be you sense a trap he is talking in that second person narration which (laughs) tells us that this entire time this entire this entire book, starting from the very first Marvel premiere issue, it has been him looking through this crystal or this jade and narrating all of Iron Fist's moves. This is Chris Claremont getting out of this narration.
2: (laughs) It's a nice trick.
0: And so after this, it rarely, rarely ever happens again. Uh, And the narration switches to being normal narration. And there are a few instances where you will find that he goes back to the second-person narration, but it, they're few and far between. Um, so I thought that was a really neat trick to, to get out of, out of that narration.
2: Yeah, that's pretty cool. I didn't notice that.
0: Because it's become sort of an iconic thing for Iron Fist, that second-person narration, the, each issue always starts with, you are Iron Fist, but then that only is to bring in the issue. And then after that, they drop it. It doesn't happen again.
2: All right. So we have Iron Fist uh, number nine. The dragon dies at dawn. And uh, still the same, uh, Charamonte, I hope I'm saying his name right, is the Inker. Uh, Iron Fist has a fight with the Golden Tigers. This time, I guess this is the more elite squad because they have their blue and green, gold, uh, or blue and orange, uh, Kung Fu costumes. And then, uh, Chaka, I guess this happened. Actually they're in the boardroom at, what do we say? It's Rand or Meacham at this point. I forget. I don't know. So Chaka is in the boardroom. Danny is in the boardroom. So is Misty Knight. So he, he's, and he's taking them Chaka, the main villain is taking them hostage so Danny's kind of in a dilemma because he has to, uh, he know, he has to do something, but he's not in his Iron Fist costume. Right, which isn't doesn't seem to be a dilemma in the Netflix show. But no,
0: <laughs> not at all.
2: Uh, so he tries to uh, attack uh, Chaka. Chaka throws him out of the window, and perfect. Uh, which Danny figures is perfect because now he can change into his Iron Fist costume and come back typical Peter Parker's Spider-Man move, so... Yeah. ...Superman, Clark Kent. And Chaka also has a three-piece staff, so when Iron Fist comes back, he has a fight with Chaka. Iron Fist is injected with a nerve toxin, um, and he says that Iron Fist will be dead in the hour, and he offers him an antidote, but he has to... um, all you have to do is defeat my golden tigers and then me both in the hours time. And then he'll get the antidote back. So
0: classic again, there's so many classic scenarios here.
2: Someone hits Chaka in the back of the head with, the with three piece staff. I think that kills Chaka. Yeah. Iron fist is once again, framed and we go to issue 10 and the nice splash page there, uh, it's called uh,
0: Kung Fu Killers. On page three hundred eighty-eight, we get a look at uh, Nightwing restorations. We actually get to see their company, um, so that's kind of cool. But yeah, other than that, I mean, the three there's nothing really stand out about this three-parter. It's um, it's perfectly fine. It's enjoyable. It's entertaining. But yeah, this one is uh, the reason why they're all in the boardroom together when Shaka attacks and and takes them all hostage is because Danny's in a meeting with his lawyer, Jaren, and with Ward to uh, talk about getting his share of the company back. But uh, other than that, we can move on to what number are we on now? 11. Yeah, number 11, A Fine Day's Dying. Uh, And this is the first of two parts the uh, The wrecking crew comes to town, and in this one it's the wrecking crew is the is the kind of the notable guest star and in the following issue um, it's Captain America who's the notable guest star so um Iron Fist meets up with uh, the wrecking crew who are destroying the city looking for Thor because <laughs> uh, um, they're really mad at him for something that he's done in the past, and they want to get back at him. so they don't find Thor, they find Iron Fist. These guys are actually pretty formidable. Nowadays, the wrecking crew is kind of a joke. Um, but back then, they were they are pretty tough. And they take Misty hostage. And uh, they convince... Or Iron Man says that if you let her go, I will go and take Thor out for you. Um, because he knows where the Avengers Mansion is, apparently. So he goes over into the Avengers Mansion and doesn't... F- uh, oh, he thinks he's going to try and find Iron Man because he had, they had a scuffle before in Issue 1, and he's going to go to to get some help. And he doesn't find Iron Man. He finds Captain America, and Captain America knows what the media is saying about Iron Fist, and so they have a big battle. Then they realize there's a big misunderstanding, and they set a trap for um, the wrecking crew, and they come in and take him out. And that's that. In Issue 11, we get a cameo from uh, Roger Stern, and Jim Shooter on page, what page is that? On page 398 in the bottom corner there. Roger Stern is the redhead. Jim Shooter is the guy with brown hair in the background.
2: Sorry, isn't that Matt Murdock as well? Um, oh, sorry,
0: sorry. Yeah, sorry. The redhead is Matt Murdock. Um yeah. Jim Shooter is standing behind he's the one with the line I'll tell you Sterno which is referencing Roger Stern who's the guy beside him with the mustache sorry yeah. that's who those two guys are and he says sure shooter instead of sure as shooting that's a reference to his <laughs> name there so yep um, lots of cameos in this book here um, yeah including Matt Murdock um, we also get a reference to um, Misty Knight and Jean Grey being roommates currently They talk about this brush with death that Jean Grey just had. And at this point, Claremont was writing X-Men. And this was the very famous story when Jean first gets the Phoenix powers. She is in outer space and she has to land a space shuttle uh, by herself and ends up crashing it and is hospitalized. And so this scene here is her getting out of the hospital from that event. And that happens. That event happens in X Men number one hundred and one, which is in e- Epic number five, uh, called Second Genesis, uh, on page four hundred and twenty. I really like the layout. Uh, by this point, John Byrne is really great. Like he's he's really come into his own um, in these issues here. And this this issue with Captain America is is really. Excellent for his work here, and I really like the technique he's done um, of recapping the previous issue by using these three skinny panels with the curved edges that each feature one member of the wrecking crew um, to just tell what happened in the last the last story. It's yeah, perfect. that's an
2: interesting trick. I don't yep. think I've seen that
0: before. Nope, it's just really cool. It's subtle, it gets the point across, gets all the information you need to know, and it's not so... Um, intrusive on the actual story, so it's it's really nice, actually.
2: It was fun to see them pop up in Iron Fist. Uh, John Byrne definitely does a really good Wrecking Crew, and um, they're always uh, quite the bad boys by you know kidnapping Misty Knight and what they did to Jarvis and the Avengers, and uh, just not very nice guys. So, but. Uh, they're fun villains. Yeah. And then the appearance of Captain America was also something that I don't, I don't know if I had been reading it at the time. I don't know if I would have expected that, but would have definitely been pretty excited. Cover, oh, the cover might be Cockrum of Iron Fist 12.
0: Yeah, I think it was. I think he does these last few
2: Yeah, it was interesting that, like, Byrne does the insides, but then I was noticing most of the covers are done by someone else, um, which was strange because, like, he's pretty hot. I think, I mean, maybe not super well-known because he's just starting out, but, I mean, he he could have done some really nice covers, I'm sure.
0: Oh, I'm sure, but I think definitely the selling point, like, Cockrum and Kilcane were were pretty big names for them right now. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, let's get them doing those covers. Take us through number 13.
2: Sure. So Iron Fist 13 is called Target Iron Fist. We have uh, Boomerang makes appearance. I think his, the villain Boomerang, uh, I think his first appearance was in Hulk. Uh, he was like a Hulk bad guy at first, which seems like a a major mismatch. But yeah. um, <laughs> he works pretty good here as an Iron Fist villain. Uh, we do see the Steel Serpent character pop up again. He's still in his, uh, um, I don't, sweat suit, uh, action suit, whatever. Yeah, yeah. He just wants to kill Iron Fist, and there's not much
0: to it. Well, he wants to kill Ward. Oh, he wanted
2: to kill Ward there. Okay.
0: Yeah, he's been hired now by Joy to kill Ward.
2: Oh, okay.
0: Um, yeah, because there's some. There are just, uh, I don't know, I can't remember why she wanted to because do Because
2: Joy actually doesn't blame Danny at some point, isn't that right? Because I know she starts off blaming Danny, but then doesn't she, or Iron Fist, but doesn't yeah. she later?
0: Yeah. So this guy is actually, um, Dav- his name is Davos. Oh, Davos here, okay. Um Yeah, in the Netflix show, Davos is like um, Iron Man's best friend. And he mm-hmm. shows up toward the, th- the last few episodes and helps uh, take out the hand. And um, but here he is, yeah, he's kind of this thug that's uh, hired by Joy Meacham to get Ward. Oh, okay. And um, yeah, has this the serpent tattoo on his chest, and has this big scar down his eye.
2: But he's he later is the Steel Serpent, right? Yes. Or am I confusing them? No, okay. No. okay.
0: They're, they're the, you're right, the same person. Okay. So this is... Um, it was fun. Yeah, and this is back, just like the Wrecking Crew, the Boomerang is sort of a formidable villain here as well. Like today, theme villains are just kind of taken as joke villains. They're not really serious at all. But um, it's nice to see Boomerang actually being a threat. So in the next issue blurb... It says, uh, "Is this on page 449. It says, Iron Fist in Canada, a bizarre new supervillain and the deadliest, most terrifying menace of them all, Snowfire.
2: <laughs> Were you all worried about that in Canada?
0: No, and I just want, wonder if this is, uh, if Sabretooth's original name was Snowfire, mm, like if that's what okay. it's saying here, it's like, a bizarre new villain and the deadliest, most terrifying menace of them all, Snowfire. Is that what that's saying?
2: No, because it's the actual name of the issue. And then his name, unless they changed it last minute.
0: But yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't know. It was
2: always tooth.
0: Yeah. It just seemed like it was weird wording. And I don't know why yeah. it's called Snowfire, except people are firing guns in the snow. <laughs> but this is a cool issue. Um, I quite enjoyed it. Uh, it's neat seeing the first appearance of Sabretooth. I did not know that it was an Iron Fist issue, but uh, yeah, we have um, Iron Fist and Colleen traveling to the snowy plains of Canada. Um, it's actually they go to Calgary, and you do see on page four hundred and fifty six, like the um, the Calgary Tower in one of the one one of the panels there, and they make reference to um, in that same panel. Says, we'll head into Calgary first and get you some cold weather gear at the Bay and Eaton's downtown. You'll need it. The Bay, the Hudson Bay Company, and Eaton's department store are both iconic Canadian department stores. And um, Eaton's, I think, is out of business now. I actually worked at both of those stores when I was oh, wow. fresh out of high school, you know, just a teenager looking for jobs at the Bay. I folded shirts in the men's department. Um, which today, if anyone ever sees me folding shirts, they always comment. "Is like, wow, you fold those like the department stores. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, well, that's where I learned it. And then Eaton's, um, right when they went out of business, I got, I got a job there kind of uh, on a liquidation crew that was in charge of getting rid of all of their stuff. So kind of neat seeing them referenced here. Well, and I think John Byrne had just moved to Canada at this point as well because he lived in Alberta for quite a while. And that's why he kind of was inspired to do Alpha Flight based on that as well. Mm. So in this one, Sabretooth is a mercenary. He's been hired to kill Iron Fist. And we don't know who he's hired by, um, but he just is. Uh, and so there is a, there's a big fight, and there's, I don't know, not too much to the issue because most of it's just a big battle um but uh it's cool to see Sabretooth. he's kind of he's got his classic costume kind of already established there right off the bat and uh and his uh his personality and everything like that i don't know if at this point he's a mutant they probably didn't think about that at this point
2: this issues was uh reprinted and um oh there's a reprint title like can't remember what the name was, but they would do single issues, uh, classic issues. It had like a silver background on the cover, but they would do kind of like a Marvel Masterworks, but just a single comic. And so they did Iron Fist 14, which was the first appearance of Sabretooth, and they highlighted on the cover, and and they did some others. But I think that's probably where I first read this, and um, it was interesting because also at the time when I was reading it, uh, Sabretooth still had his classic costume, which uh looks quite a bit different later on, so some people i don't know if they would actually recognize Sabretooth in his first appearance, yeah,
0: I guess he keeps his costume kind of through the through the nineties, I think though doesn't he
2: um he makes quite a few changes and i yeah. think yeah. Because
0: in, even
2: in, uh, I think, the Power Man, he appears in a Power Man and Iron Fist on down the line. I think his costume's already changed there. Oh, okay. Um, or maybe it's the same. I don't know. But, he, yeah, maybe he does keep it through until the 90s, and then they start changing it. But, yeah. And he also acts a little bit differently, I think, um, over time. But um, And then, of course, they add the Logan element and things like that. Yeah. Which I don't think... Do you know when that first came about? When him and Logan started being tied together?
0: No, I don't. Yeah, I'm not okay. sure.
2: But, yeah, it was good. The art's really good. Uh, it was fun. So the next one is Enter the X-Men. So, um, uh, he, Iron Fist, or, well, Misty Knight and Jean Grey or Is it Misty Knight or Colleen Wing, or roommates... Misty. Uh, Misty and Jean Grey are roommates. Um, So that's where the connection is. Um, Starts off with Iron Fist. Oh, that's right. So Iron Fist is battling some people. Then uh, he gets basically sucker punched from behind or kicked in this case um, by the steel serpent and this I think happens a few times throughout um, but he basically uh, uh, attacks him, but he doesn't kill him. He's just kind of playing with him at this point, and um, you know, kind of rattles Iron Fist' confidence a little bit because this guy's you know coming along with power similar to his and is able to pretty much beat him. Is oh, Logan is going to visit Jean Grey, I guess. He's heading to her apartment
0: he's like just lurking outside of her <laughs> this this was back when um wolverine loved Jean gray and hated yeah. scott and uh you have to remember that this is this is 1977 this new version of the x-men that we see in this book only came out about two or three years before this mm. so they're all very new characters And we're just figuring out who they are. So yeah, um, Wolverine was in love with Jean Grey and was like just hanging out outside of her apartment (laughs) thinking about her or something. Yeah.
2: Yeah, so he's hanging out and then there's a little uh, little cut scene here where um, Misty Knight is undercover. Uh, There's the Bushmaster. or She's um, trying to infiltrate infiltrate Bushmasters uh, gang, I guess. Yep. So Iron Fist is, uh, of course he's, there's a big party going to happen and Iron Fist is there. And then Logan, uh, Wolverine in the Fang costume, um, from the whole space saga, Shiar space saga thing. uh, gets in a fight with iron fist case of mistaken identity they kind of trash the place and of course nightcrawler and colossus come along <laughs> and it just becomes one big fight yep uh storm gets potato salad thrown in her face <laughs> that makes her really mad <laughs> so it's kind of funny issue and then uh, of course they all realize that uh they shouldn't be fighting each other like those superheroes and uh things calm down to try to have a good party.
0: <laughs> yeah, and it ends on a humorous note. And this is yeah. the last issue of the series, and it's cancelled, and it ends on that funny note. I thought it was just kind of an interesting... Like, it doesn't even end with Iron Fist. The final the final conversation in this whole issue is between Jean Grey and and Logan.
2: And this is when Byrne move, moved on to the X-Men book.
0: Yeah, and so I have a clip of Chris Claremont talking about all of these guest stars that happened in the last few issues of the of the series and uh, talking about this particular issue of X-Men and what it meant for John Byrne so I'll put in th- that clip here as Iron Fist was approaching its last few issues before its cancellation we saw a number of uh, guest stars um, like Captain America X-Men mm-hmm. were the final issue w- was that an attempt to try and boost some sales
1: it was partly guest stars will help the the um, overall sense of the comic, of the, of the series, but also half the fun of drawing and writing is figuring out who we can play with. Danny had already fought Iron Man in the first issue. Captain America was a logical extension. And quite frankly, John does a kick-ass Captain America. Right, yeah. You know, going up to Canada, that was technically Iron Fist is where Sabretooth made his first entrance. Yeah. Along with Jaron Hogarth and his his crackerjack team of uh, femme fatale gorgeous glamazons. <laughs> yeah. Every lawyer's wish fulfillment.
0: That's right. That's, yeah, that was a good, a good team.
1: Yeah. Um, and then, the, you know, building up to the conclusion, which was the X-Men... It was to see if John could do it. You know? oh, okay. And that was, no, that was, that, it was done intentionally because we knew we would have to make a change to, to take the X Men Monthly. And um, we had to see if he could do it. And obviously,
0: he did. Yeah, for sure.
2: And so this is the very first time we see it, John Byrne X Men?
0: Yeah, the very first time. I didn't, I didn't time.
2: really think about that in an Iron Fist comic. That's interesting.
0: Yep, it was his trial run to make sure that he could do it and then he moved over to uh to X-Men, which proved I guess to he, be perfect.
2: I guess he drew some of the X-Men and Champions cuz Angel wasn't the the new X-Men, but he drew like Angel and Beast and things like that, but
0: was that um, before this? When was that?
2: Uh it's in the 70s. I think it might have I don't know time wise. I should have looked it up, but it just it just popped into my head. I think Champions his run on Champions might have been before Iron Fist. His art is definitely um he wasn't on Champions very long, but his art was definitely a little more rusty than it is here. So okay. But he does draw good, like the shot of Nightcrawler here is definitely a really good burn uh Nightcrawler. Colossus kind
0: of you. So we can move over to Marvel team up number 63 and 64. Um, after the series was canceled, these two issues come out, came out uh, a couple of months later. Um, Claremont and Byrne were both on Marvel team up at the time. So that seems like a perfectly natural place for them to tie up these loose ends. And we get Spider-Man. So that's always cool. But really all we see here is, um, Uh, The subplot with Misty and the Bushmaster, um, that gets wrapped up. Her cover's blown, and she has to go um, because she finds out that um, there's a secret meeting. The Bushmaster has hired this guy, um, the Steel Serpent, to take out Iron Fist because Iron Fist is getting too close to his own, I don't know, criminal organization or something like that. And so Misty hears about it. She blows her cover to, to go and save or help out Iron Fist. So then pretty much the whole two issue battle, um, or sorry, I guess one issue is them fighting in the park. And and Danny nearly dies because um, the steel serpent takes the iron fist and all of his chi from him and leaves him dead on the ground. And so the second issue deals with them him kind of restoring back to the way he was. There is sort of a lot of flashback exposition about the Steel Serpent and um, Spider-Man and the Daughters of the Dragon team up in order to bring down, what's his name, the Steel Serpent. And yeah, really all it is is kind of tying up loose ends. And especially at the end, you can tell because there's so much exposition and just kind of explaining reasons why people are doing things because... They're pressed for time, and they just got to do it. There is a reference to Marvel Team-Up number 31, which is the other issue that Iron Fist is in, in, um, the other Marvel Team-Up issue that Iron Fist is in that's not in this book. There's also a reference to Marvel Team-Up number 1, which is Misty Knight's first appearance, I believe, um, in which Spider-Man saves her from being mugged in New Jersey. Yeah, I, I don't know what else to say about this one except that uh, the Steel Serpent is revealed to be the son of Lee Kung the Thunderer, the guy who trained uh, Iron Fist or Danny Rand, rather.
2: This one, it was interesting to me. I definitely always liked the Marvel team-ups and that was uh, one of the better ones with the Claremont and Burn writing. I also liked kind of the Steel Serpent was interesting, villain because he's Looks a lot like Iron Fist, so there's the like the look uh, of the two people fighting is uh, interesting because it looks like you got two Kamon warriors fighting. The other thing I didn't realize at the time that it's wrapping up the stories from Iron Fist that were left over from Iron Fist fifteen or from the Iron Fist series. So it's pretty uh, interesting that they were able to go back and actually finish up those stories because sometimes they don't always have a chance to do that.
0: Well, that brings us through the entire book. Do you have any final thoughts about this?
2: I think if you're a fan of the Iron Fist character, uh, it's definitely uh, epic worth getting. It, It was a lot of fun for me going back and reading all these, especially reading them sequentially. I think it's a big reason why i started purchasing the epic collections because uh with my childhood experience of buying comics off the spinner rack you were lucky to get anything in any sort of order
0: yeah Um, yeah
2: so it's nice to be able to read everything straight through and not missing a whole bunch of issues um Mm -hmm. and if if you read the immortal iron fist uh, complete collection it ties in really well with the iron fist epic collection too so It was fun because I just read that and then I read the Iron Fist epic collection so I could see where they were tying parts of the origin in that later series into the older series.
0: Yeah, I think that if people are fans of of Iron Fist, then they should definitely check this one out. Um, It's always neat to see the roots of these characters. If you're not an Iron Fist fan or if you are just mildly curious, I would say this book is maybe only about half good or maybe just over half good the Claremont stuff is is fantastic, Uh, he does a lot to really build and develop the character of Danny Rand which I appreciate the Marvel premiere issues I found to be kind of a slog to get through, just with that narration, with the constant changing up on the different writers they had good stories here and there but overall, it was sort of hit or miss uh, for that half of the book so for for anyone who's a casual fan there i don't know it's this is not i would probably say go for the immortal iron fist even though i haven't read that one
2: (laughs) i think i would agree uh i i found the the marvel premiere issues kind of interesting just from historical and and not having to like sing larry hama draw for the first time so yeah that was all kind of cool and i'm very familiar with like claremont and burns work so um that wasn't quite as surprising to me but it was still fun so
0: it was surprising that this got an epic collection in the first place just because it's a single volume it wasn't even really promoting the 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 tv show at the time because it came out a couple years ago (laughs) uh it just was out of left field but i'm glad that it exists and i'm glad that i read it yeah Thanks, Brian, for joining us today. This was a blast. I'm glad that we were able to make the time to uh, to go through this book.
2: Sure. Thanks for having me.
0: So yeah, I'm looking forward to, uh, to to talking about Power Man and Iron Fist, and I'm guessing that we'll probably get to that episode maybe in August or so. Um, okay. So yeah, start reading that one um, for all of you out there who are more interested in Power Man or Luke Cage. Um, hopefully, you'll uh, you'll be on board and send us some reader questions for that one uh, it, because we didn't get any this time and you can also look for a new twitter poll going up today about our next episode which will be spider-man ghosts of the past and adam will be joining us once again for for that episode so yeah check us out on facebook check us out on twitter uh you can send me an email at um epic podcast at gmail.com. you can go to our website at epicmarvelpodcast.com and of course you can become a supporter at patreon.com thunderquack. anything you want to tell our listeners uh,
2: I'd just like to give a shout out to my brother Bill because uh, without him I probably would have uh, read all those Iron Fist comics and um, yeah he kept my interest in comics over the years so
0: awesome okay well we will catch you in the next episode
2: Goodbye, everyone.